0: Good morning. Would you please stand and read the call to worship with me? Jesus Christ has come into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Hallelujah. Amen. Alleluia. Lord God, we invite you into our presence this morning. We know that you go before us in all things and go with us in all things. And we ask that you speak to us today, reveal more of yourself to us, and let us embrace your presence this morning. In your name,
1: amen.
2: to see you as we gather for worship this morning. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here worshiping today. Thank everyone who helped with our work day yesterday. We uh, got a lot of things accomplished inside and outside, and uh, we appreciate all the time and effort uh, as part of that. We also want to uh, welcome and congratulate uh, on the birth of Harper Elizabeth Lord, born to Joel and Carrie yesterday, and Sister Schuyler, and we celebrate with them this gift of new life into uh, our church family, into the world. Uh, those of you who are members of the church, if you haven't yet uh, cast your ballot for our leaders and about the budget, please do so after the service. You can vote right in the lower foyer of the sanctuary, and uh, we'll be concluding that voting after the service this morning. And tonight at 5 o'clock, we would love to have you be a part of this uh, Desert and Vision gathering. We're going to be meeting in the community room. doesn't matter if you're a member or not, if you've attended here a long time or a brief time. We would love to have you be a part of this gathering. We're going to uh, have a chance to hear a little bit about some things that are happening, have been happening in the life of the church, as well as thinking about the future. We we really want your input. We'll be breaking up into some small groups to just have some discussion time, thinking about uh, what God's vision for us might be as he has uh, inspired us to think about that. And So we have some questions for you to answer. So we hope you'll join us at 5 tonight. There is child care available as well. And we'll, probably, we'll be done no later than 6.30, maybe even a little bit sooner uh, than that. We have been privileged for uh, quite a while to support Wellspring Ministries in Angelica. And this morning, Goody Stevenson, who is on the board there, is going to share a bit about uh, an upcoming event.
1: Thank you, Wes. Um, <clears throat> Wellspring Ministries provides two hot lunches every week on Wednesdays and Fridays, and is open from 10 to 2 on those days to uh, provide good used clothing, household goods, linens, kitchen items that are donated to us by people like yourselves, uh, to the people of Allegheny County and surrounding areas, anyone free of charge. Um, We have very little bureaucracy, our only relatively Poorly paid employee is our director, Jim Arthur, who gets a very small stipend for just being the go-to person behind the scenes. Uh, we are a volunteer organization that has been heavily supported by this church and many individuals in the church. This afternoon, we are dedicating our newly configured building facilities on County Route 16 Angelica, just off of Route 19, Uh, uh, after two years, many of you have heard about our building project and the highlights and uh, in news from others. Uh, For two years, we've been working on raising $100,000, most of which we assumed when we started would come from grants for which we had been applying. Well, only 10% came from grants. We're very grateful for those grants, but 90% of our money, came from individuals, churches, and civic organizations in Allegheny County, which is pretty remarkable considering the fact that Allegheny County is one of the two poorest counties in New York State. And so we are praising God for uh, having just about reached all of our funds. We're not eligible for a mortgage because we have no steady stream of income. We depend on our $22,000 budget, from donation, it comes totally from donations from individuals. It really warms the heart to see some of our clients throw change in or a couple of dollars when they come through, an appreciation for what they find at, at Wellspring, which is more than just goods. It's a place to hang out, grab a cup of coffee, and share a meal around the table with others. And to hear about the Lord. Wes, for the last two Wednesdays, has been delivering the small devotional that we have before our noontime meal, and we're so grateful for that. Um, anyway, I want to say thank you. Secondly, I want to invite any of you who can be spontaneous today to come to the dedication. We're having a pulled pork lunch beginning at 1 o'clock, donation only. So give as little or as much as you care to, to help with the expenses of that. And we will be serving in the new facility. And then at 2 o'clock, there will be a brief half hour or so dedication ceremony to thank God for what he has done for Wellspring. And people can just come and go anytime between 1 and 3.30 just to tour the facility, other than the half hour or so dedication time. So I know it's a busy day, but if you don't have plans for lunch, you can get lunch here and come for dessert at the church at 5. Works, doesn't it? So I would encourage you to do that. A couple of other things. I want to thank Ed Johnson for working with us over these two years. He was in the early service this morning, and I was able to say thank you directly. He worked with us and did work as the money came in. Not everybody is willing to work with you in that way. And he helped us save money by what he did for us. Um, I also want to thank Beth Beardsley. I'm not sure Beth is here this morning. Um, But Beth is a fellow board member with me. I wish you could see Beth in action. She's recently had surgery, so she's got this uh, paddle on her back to help her out. She should be home recuperating, but where is she on Wednesday and Friday? She's at Wellspring, talking to people, counseling. I can't tell you how many people seek Beth out because they know she has a listening ear and a word to share with them that will encourage their hearts. So I'm so grateful for the example of folks that I serve with on the Wellspring Board. We need more board members. If the Lord should ever lay it on your heart to get involved in some way, just from a volunteer basis, I would encourage you, if you have some discretionary time you're willing to give, We need some people to clean tables and vacuum the floors after our meals um, through the summer months. We have BOCES students who do that for us during the school year, but they're almost done now. And the way to get involved with Wellspring is to kind of check us out, kind of acclimate yourself to the ministry, and then see how the Lord might lead after that. But we welcome all of you to give what you can, but also come and enjoy the benefits of Wellspring with people who are there on a regular basis. Thank you.
2: Please join me in the prayer of confession that's printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. Almighty God, who has created all people, We acknowledge that we do not see, as you do, people who are different from us. We confess that we struggle with bias and prejudice toward people whose skin color is different from ours, whose nationality is different from ours, whose language is different from ours. Forgive us for our sin of arrogance that blinds us to the unique blessing of others. Open our eyes to see each other as you see. Fill us with joy and gratitude for all of the different ways in which you create us and love us. Through Christ. Amen.
0: Our Old Testament reading is from Exodus this morning. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Would you please stand as we sing? so much for us. And in this moment, we would like to express our gratitude by opening our hands and offering freely back to you what you have given to us. Please bless this time as we provide our offerings. In your name, amen.
3: From the rod of the ground.
2: A few moments in prayer this morning, if you'd like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. For the ways in which you call us to be involved in the work of your kingdom. We pray that you will continue to give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand. Father, we come this morning burdened about the concerns in our lives and in this world. We pray today for all who are grieving. We thank you for your comforting presence upon each of them. We pray for everyone who is struggling with health issues. We pray especially for Jill and Bruce, for Bev and Micah and Linda, for Dick and Edna and Crystal and Emily and others who may be on our hearts and our minds today and ask for your grace to be at work in each of them. Father, we pray for the other kinds of burdens and Concerns and struggles that are part of our lives and we pray that you would help us to see you at work in each one of our difficulties and we pray for this world Lord we pray for the people of Nepal as they continue to try to recover from the earthquakes and we ask that your people your church would be a presence of hope in the midst of despair. We pray for our brothers and sisters who who serve you around the world and many who face persecution and opposition and threats. We pray that you would strengthen them and, and empower them to be your witnesses of love and truth. We pray for Wellspring just down the road from us. Thank you for the ministry of Wellspring and for the ways in which... This ministry is reaching out to people in need in our county and beyond. And we pray for the ongoing ministry. We pray that hearts and lives will be changed and touched. Father, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We offer our prayers today as we always do in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The one who teaches us the model for prayer which we now pray together.
0: Our New Testament reading is from 2 Corinthians. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me.
4: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Mother Teresa once said, Each one of us has something beautiful to do for God. Think about that for a moment. Each one of us has something beautiful to do for God. How do you respond to that? With a sense of excitement and wonder about being a part of God's transforming work? About being involved in something far bigger than yourself? Perhaps with a sense of fear or dread? Or maybe you find yourself responding as Moses does when God calls him to lead his people out of 400 years of captivity in Egypt. Moses is an unlikely person for God to assign this task. He's born into a Hebrew family, but is adopted and raised in the palace by Pharaoh's daughter. As a young man, Moses sees a Hebrew slave being beaten by an Egyptian. Moses steps in and defends the Hebrew by killing the Egyptian. When confronted the next day, he runs into the desert where he becomes a shepherd for the next 40 years until God appears to him in a burning bush asking him to do something beautiful for him, return to Egypt. Free the Hebrew people and lead them into the promised land. Moses is reluctant. He peppers God with a series of questions and excuses that reveal his insecurities and doubts about whether he is the right person God is choosing for this job. Who am I to go to Pharaoh? What do I say if they ask me your name? What if they don't believe me? You know I don't do well with speeches. Lord, send someone else. Doesn't it seem like our questions and excuses to God often sound a lot like those of Moses? Lord, I'm nobody. There's no way I can do that. What if no one listens to me? I just don't have what it takes. Surely, someone else is better qualified than me. Yet in the midst of our doubts, questions, and excuses, God patiently addresses each one with the response that reveals who he is and his plans for us, just as he does Moses. It's one of God's responses to Moses that I want us to think about this morning. It's a response that speaks to us in our struggle to see ourselves as people who God wants to do something beautiful in and through. When Moses asked, Suppose everyone refuses to listen to my message and no one believes that you really appeared to me. God responds to Moses' question with a question of his own. What is that in your hand? Moses looks down, shrugs his shoulders, and says, It's just my shepherd's staff. God tells Moses to throw it on the ground. It immediately turns into a snake. Moses jumps back in fear. God then tells Moses to pick the snake up by its tail. When he does, the snake turns back into his shepherd's staff. And God says, Moses, that staff in your hand is all you need for the Hebrew people to believe that I've sent you. I know that it's just a shepherd's staff, but that's okay. I think that God is asking each one of us the same question. What is that in your hand? What have you got that can be used for my purposes? Do you realize that what you have is enough for me to do something beautiful with your life? Like Moses We tend to be skeptical. It's just a staff. It's just me. There's nothing special about me or what I bring to God's purposes. If that's what we think, we're as wrong as Moses. But what exactly do we bring? What does the shepherd's staff represent for us? Probably more than we realize Author Trevor Hudson suggests that each of us holds at least three things in our hands. He talks about our abilities, a list that is pretty wide open, from using a computer, to managing projects, to resolving conflict, to coaching sports, to musical ability, to offering hospitality, to encouraging people to interceding for others in prayer, to carpentry, cleaning, baking, and on and on the list goes. God is able to take our abilities, what we may consider common everyday things, shepherd staffs, and use them in extraordinary ways to accomplish his purposes because nothing is too small for God. Hudson talks about his lifelong desire to be a channel of God's healing love, but is unsure how this could ever happen. Then in his early 20s, he took part in a leadership training program where one day the participants were asked to think about each other's lives and to say what they valued about one another. They went around the circle affirming each other. When it was his turn, the group was uncomfortably silent for some time. Finally, someone broke the silence and said, I think you're a good listener. The others in the group added their consent. I agree. I think you listen quite well. Yes, you're a gifted listener, Rather than feeling affirmed, he felt deflated as his colleagues had been affirmed for having excellent people skills, being able to delegate well, having a capacity for visionary leadership. Yet all they could think of for him was he was able to listen to others. Later that night, as he prayed, he decided to offer to God what was in his hands— his listening ability. He now says he's deeply moved by the opportunities that God has given him to use the ability to listen. It has given his life tremendous meaning and value. Can you believe that your abilities can be powerful tools for God and his kingdom? What is that In your hand. He also talks about life experiences, lessons we've learned while growing up, difficulties we've experienced, joys and sorrows we've known, work we've done, mistakes we've made, and hopefully the lessons we've learned from these mistakes. Our forgiven sins, successes we've achieved, and perhaps the painful things we've suffered. Missionary and pastor David Siemens tells how in the early 1950s, during their first term in India, he hurriedly caught the morning train to attend a meeting at another mission station. Because it was just a day trip, he took very little with him. However, when they were about halfway to their destination the train stopped due to a derailment and they ended up at a small station out in the middle of nowhere. Unfortunately, in his haste that morning, he had neglected to bring anything with him to read. As he wandered the station, he found a dilapidated bookstall that had one book in English. Atlas Shrugged, by Anne Rand. Out of desperation, he bought the book and spent the next day and a half reading what he describes as the incredible anti-Christian philosophy of selfishness through all 1,000 plus pages. By the end, he considered this day and a half of his life as wasted. Ten years later, as a pastor in Wilmore, Kentucky, an Asbury College student called him to make an appointment because he was struggling with some serious intellectual questions regarding his Christian faith. As soon as the student entered his office, he felt the student believed that he had made a mistake in coming to see him. He asked the student about his intellectual questions the student reluctantly shared that they had to do with some books that he had read that had really shook him up. When asked about the books and his doubts, the student said with a sigh, well, I suppose you've never even heard of a book called Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Siemens told him, not only have I heard of it, I've read it, She's quite a writer, isn't she? Immediately, the student began dropping his defenses, and this marked the beginning of a friendship and a mentoring relationship that lasted the next two years that established this student in a solid Christian faith, all because of a very frustrating and wasted day and a half of his life. He says, It took me 10 years to realize that God was in that situation and was now using it to help this student. God can use anything, even the frustrating and seemingly useless things that happen to all of us. We see this truth in Moses' life. Initially, Moses may not appear to be the best candidate to lead God's people. He kills an Egyptian, then hides in the desert for 40 years, tending sheep. It seems like a waste of time. But as we look closer at Moses' life were reminded of his upbringing in the palace where he was educated and came to understand the inner workings of power in Pharaoh's court. During Moses' 40 years as a shepherd, he learned important survival skills in the desert. But even more important was his spiritual preparation during those quiet, lonely years of shepherding where he grew closer to God. This is true for us as well. Our life experiences, good and bad, if offered to God, become a great resource in his hands. For some, this may be where we struggle the most. Sometimes it's hard to imagine God taking our negative experiences and using them for good. But we must remember that giving God these painful experiences doesn't make them good, nor does it justify them, because some of them can only be described as evil. But if God is who he says he is, then he can redeem Our experiences. God never wastes anything. He can use all of our life experiences. As counterintuitive as it sounds, we also hold our inadequacies in our hands. To us, inadequacy seems like a bad thing, as though we're deficient, in need of some help. And that's the point. We are in need of help. God's help. We're especially aware of this, of our inadequacies, when God asks us to do something that seems impossible. This is definitely true for Moses. Can you imagine how Moses feels when God asks him to lead his people into freedom? No wonder Moses objects. Hudson says, Moses' story reminds us that one of the clearest marks of God's call is that it leaves us feeling totally inadequate. What matters, however, is how we choose to deal with this inadequacy. It can paralyze us, cause us to make excuses and run, or it can lead us into a greater dependency upon God. The summer between my first and second years of seminary, I accepted a position at two Methodist churches. Because I was there to help an aging pastor, he was scheduled to go in to have surgery in the hospital that would take him out of work about the first two weeks of the summer. Keenly aware of my own inadequacies, I was very nervous about my responsibilities for the summer as I was hired to lead the youth group, vacation Bible school, a special summer Sunday school program, do pastoral care and visitation that the pastor had been unable to do for quite a while, preach a couple of times, plus a number of other things. In the weeks prior to starting the job, I planned and prepared for several of those responsibilities, including the preaching. Somehow, I gained great comfort going into the job believing that I was fairly well prepared and somewhat had things under control that didn't last for long. Soon after, the pastor went into the hospital it became clear that that is where he would be for the entire summer. I'm sure I would have turned that job down if I'd known ahead of time how that summer would unfold for me in charge of all the pastoral responsibilities, including preaching every Sunday. In the midst of my inadequacies, I clung to God as he took what little I had in my hands and used it in miraculous ways to not only bring these churches together in the midst of their pastor's health crisis, but to transform many lives, including my own. Now, it's imperative to understand that even though God's question What is that in your hand implies that God can use our abilities, experiences, inadequacies, even the spiritual gifts he has given us to do great things. All of this is incomplete unless he's in it. Actually, God's question doesn't mean that Moses has enough in his hands to do what God is leading him to do. The question is God's way of asking Moses if he'll let God use what he has. It's because of God's presence and power that he can take a common, everyday shepherd's staff, turning it into a divine symbol to use for his purposes. It's only in the presence and power of God that what we have in our hands takes on any real significance. Some of you may remember one of the popular ads from the 2011 Super Bowl, a Volkswagen commercial that pictures a child dressed in a Darth Vader costume going around the house attempting to use The Force. The Star Wars theme plays in the background as this little Darth Vader goes from room to room, raising his hands dramatically, hoping for something to happen. The dryer in the utility room, the family dog lying on the floor, a doll on the bed, nothing as his arms drop, to his sides in discouragement. The next scene shows Darth Vader Jr. standing outside by the family car. Once again, he lifts his arms when all of a sudden the horn beeps, the lights flash, and the engine kicks in. He jumps back in surprise and satisfaction. Then the camera pans out To the kitchen window where we see his father standing, pushing the starter button on the key fob. This ad playfully illustrates how we can do nothing apart from God, our Father. It's God's moment by moment presence with Moses that makes his time of desert preparation so meaningful. God helps Moses grasp this even as he answers all of Moses' questions. In Exodus chapter 3, God identifies himself as, I am who I am. God tells Moses his name because he desires intimacy with Moses and with the Hebrew people. Think about how hesitant we are at times to tell someone we don't know, whether on the phone or in person, our name. Because once we share our name, there's almost a sense of commitment that goes with it, as well as a sense of relationship as we allow this person into our life, letting them know at least a part of who we are. Salespeople often ask our names because they know that it creates a bond, a connectedness with us that makes it more difficult for us to say no. Then think about the implications of God telling Moses and the Hebrew people his name. We begin to get an idea of the sense of closeness that giving one's name creates the sense of entering into a relationship. God volunteers his name because he desires intimacy with them and with us. God gives us his name so we may call upon him, may talk with him in a much deeper and more personal way. He wants us to know who he is, that he is faithful, just, true, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Because Moses knows God's name, he can move forward with confidence. But God's presence and power go even deeper than knowing his name. God is interested in an even closer intimacy when he tells Moses, I will be with you or my presence will be with you. The word presence for Hebrew can also be translated face. The face of the Lord will not leave Moses or his people. God will be with them. The word face implies an even closer and more personal encounter with God. There are times that a text, an email, or even a phone call isn't enough. We need to see someone's face. By seeing their face, it relaxes us, calms our fears, gives us a sense of confidence, of support and encouragement, like nothing else can do. So when God tells Moses, I will be with you, he is saying, my face is turned toward you. I see, I hear, I am so close to you that I know everything that is happening to and with you. God isn't saying to Moses, here's your assignment, report back to me when it's completed. Rather, God is saying, here's your assignment, we'll do this together. You won't go alone because my face will be with you. I will go with you every step of the way. When we're struggling to believe that God can do something beautiful with our lives, we need this kind of connectedness to God, the assurance that his face is turned toward us. When we have the blessing of God's presence, his face we have the greatest blessing there is because there is nothing more we need. It's God's presence and power that makes the difference. As C.S. Lewis says, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. In the movie Air Force One, A group of terrorists hijack the president's plane, seeking the release of their leader. As Air Force One's rudder and elevator are destroyed and the fuel tank punctured, the plane races toward disaster. A standby U.S. Air Force Rescue HC-130 is called in to conduct a daring airborne rescue over the Caspian Sea, sending parajumpers over a zip line to retrieve the survivors left on the plane. The president insists that his wife and daughter are rescued before him, leaving him to fight the man who aided in this terrorist plot. The president overpowers the traitor and attaches himself to the zip line, making it to safety just before his plane crashes into the sea. As soon as the president sets foot on the other plane, the the pilot declares over the intercom system, Liberty 2-4 is now... Air Force One. The call sign isn't changed because suddenly it's a different plane. What makes the difference is the president is now on board. His presence completely changes this ordinary plane into something extraordinary simply because... He's there. Isn't this a little like when God steps into our ordinary, plain lives? His presence and power change everything as he takes what we offer him, turning it into something beautiful for his use. As God invites us to do something beautiful for him, something beyond ourselves, may we give him what is in our hands so we may experience his presence and power like never before. Amen. Receive the benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.